Well, good morning, everyone. Glad that we're all here today. My name is Josh Locke. I'm one of the elders, and we are continuing our series, our, our summer playlist, uh, and uh, we are jumping into Psalms 23. So we've been going through different psalms and different portions of psalms and, and talking through that, and um, the title of my message is Remixed. And, you know, you're probably thinking, oh, great, a remix is never as good as the original, right? The radio version, the remix version, it's never as good. They take a song that's good enough to get a remix, and then they, they make it remixed. And I'm not selling this message well, but um, I'm not going to do that at all. I, am, uh, I really want us to just look at Psalms 23 just a little bit differently than maybe we have before. Um, so that's what we'll be doing today. We'll, we'll first start off by just jumping in into Psalms 23. So... Uh, Oh, I forgot to share a quick story. So uh, growing up, one of my best friends in high school, John, um, he, his dad, he was from England, and his dad was obviously British, and he would always try to get us to read this version of the Bible called Word on the Street. And I don't know if any of you know it. I, I don't even really remember reading it, but I think it was this like British slang paraphrase Bible, and we joked that he kept a trunk full of them, uh, or like he kept them in his car and tried to give them out to people. But it, we never read it, uh, but that, that's not what we're doing. We're, we're not going to have a crazy paraphrase as we go through. Psalms 23, we, we probably know this. Many of you have probably heard this before. It's quoted during challenging times. It's quoted, you know, funerals and just tough circumstances. Uh, so most of us have probably heard this at some point. It was written by David. So David wrote this, and there's a little bit of disagreement about if it was the beginning of his life when he was a shepherd or the end of his life. And, you know, a lot of, the, a lot of people really believe it was the end of his life. And, and that's important because David reflects back to where he's seen God and God move. And so what I'd, I'd ask you to do is uh, we're going to read this together out loud. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. So God, I, we come to you today, and, and I ask that your word and your Holy Spirit would shine through and, and speak uh, just what, what we need to hear individually, God. And it's not about what I say, it's about your word and what you say. And so we just invite you into that now, and I, I just humble myself before you as we share. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so let's jump right in. So Psalms 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And David right off the bat sets the stage, this relationship because David was a shepherd, right? When he grew up, he, he was a shepherd. That was his job before he did all the other things. And David knew the close relationship a shepherd and a sheep would share, right? He, he knew that um, the, the shepherd would know the sheep and kind of would know about the sheep and know what tends to, to trip the sheep up. That's why he had his tools, his, his staff to kind of guide them back, right? Because uh, sheep, I don't know if you know this, are dumb. Did anyone know that sheep are dumb? Yeah, we, we do. Right? And, and sheep are defenseless. Right? If a wild animal comes, a sheep has nothing to help protect itself. And it's not a real flattering thing to be compared to, to say that we're, we're a sheep. And yet David, when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, he acknowledges that he lacks nothing. And how cool is that? Even though we're this, this awful animal, uh, 
David knows that he lacks nothing, and that speaks to the shepherd that we have. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, and he restores my soul. I've always thought of this as, as a picture of peace, uh, which it is, and I've, I've prayed this for people and encouraged people with it. Uh, but I was listening to a, a message on Psalms 23 to prepare, and the pastor brought up a point that it, it's also a picture of correction. Because when, when David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, it, it's not just the shepherd taking the sheep and having him sit there. If a, if a lamb would continually wander off and the shepherd would guide it back and it would wander off and it would guide it back, the shepherd would take his rod and he would break that lamb's leg to keep it nearby. So when David is saying, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he was, he, he's talking about how God will sometimes help us stay close to him, which is kind of like, you know, that's a little, that's a little much, right? Uh, here, here's where I've seen this in my life, though, to give you an example. So growing up, when I, when I was much younger, uh, one of the things that I just did not do well was telling the truth. Um, I, I struggled with it. I, I would lie. I would lie a lot. It was easy for me to do. It, it didn't bother me at all. And, you know, I got caught a couple times and, and had consequences, whatever, but it wasn't until I got caught cheating on a math test in, in high school. And I, I don't remember the correction. I don't remember the punishment that I received at home or at school. But what I do remember is it was that moment where God really made me stay near him. And it just, in my heart, caused me to, to have a sensitivity to truth that wasn't really there before. And in it, his correction really made me want truth, be sensitive to the truth, to, to always wa- focus on the truth. And David says he guides me along the right paths. That, that, when God helped me to stay near him, when he made me lie down near him, that's what's been my guide in my life now is the truth that, that I desire and want to see, which is why I'm passionate about the word and passionate about truth. If my, my boys were here, they, they would say, we say this at home, locks are truth tellers. Right? We tell the truth. We tell the truth. And so that, that's been a real, a, a big focus of my life. And, and that's what, what we mean. You know, Romans 2.4 says God's kindness leads us to repentance. So it might sound severe, and correction isn't always fun or enjoyable, but at the end of the day, it does bring comfort for us, and it brings restoration for us. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, or the, the version you might know is the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. That's the theme in the, this next portion of Scripture, where verses 4 through 6, this idea that God is with us. And we see that just constantly. Uh, David is just going back to that. And when you think about David's life, I don't know if you know about King David and, and what he went through growing up. But, so he was a shepherd as a kid and a teenager, and then he goes to bring food to his brothers who are facing an army, and he fights a giant, Goliath. Right? And then David is to become the king of Israel, but the king tries to kill him and chases him around with an army to kill him. And then David goes to battle and has wars, and David commits some pretty awful sins. Right? David has a lot of valleys in his life, and David can look back at those valleys and say, God, you were with me in that. And that's the encouragement I take from this is, I don't know what we walk through, whether it's a diagnosis, whether it's uh, a job loss or insecurity or just fear or isolation, what, whatever we walk through, we know that God is with us. God is with us as we walk through that, and that's the encouragement we can take. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So we talked about the rod. The rod was used for correction sometimes. It was used for defense. And then the staff was used uh, as, you know, guiding the sheep along. But I also thought, you know, the rods, the staff is a symbol. It's that little uh, stick with the hook on because it would grab the sheep and kind of tell them where to go. But even my, my boys got um, these diving toys where you throw in the water, they sink, and they're, they're Toy Story. So there's like a Woody, there's Buzz, and then there's Bo Peep. And even Bo Peep has the little shepherd staff that's on there. Um, and, you know, the, the symbol of the staff is, is a reminder for us of God's you know, presence, of who he is, that he is my shepherd, but also that he's there to guide us along the way. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. I love this. I love this idea that, you know, maybe I don't love this part, that God will let us walk through challenges. God will let us be in the presence of our enemies. But he says when we're in the presence of our enemies, he is there, and he prepares a table for us. He provides what we need. That's awesome to know that in the midst of what we go through, he's there providing what we need. He anoints my head with oil. Oil is, is often symbolic. It's representative of, of something. But it's also like the Good Samaritan, if you remember that parable, when the Good Samaritan helps the man, he pours oil on his wounds because oil was, was a means for healing. Right? So not only in the presence of our enemies is God providing what we need, he's helping us, he's healing us. Because we know that sometimes what we walk through, we don't get out unscathed. We walk through and we, we have bruises, we have broken bones, broken hearts, whatever it is, and God brings his healing to us in that. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I just love that idea that God is with us. And God's kindness, provision, and healing are remembered in this portion. And then the last verse, verse 6. David says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. You know, I, I, I was thinking, well, why, why couldn't it lead us? It would be much easier if God's goodness and love was there and I knew I needed to walk there to get it. Right? That would be way easier to, to happen, but that, that's not how God works. God often wants us to take steps of faith, to take steps forward, and then when we look back, we can see and remember his goodness and love because his goodness and love were always nearby. And that's the promise that we have, that God, God's goodness and love are nearby us as we walk. And this last part, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But I just get a picture of security, David knowing he has a place, and he knows that because God, God is with him in that. So that's Psalms 23. But the, the remix that I want us to look at is to change our focus a little bit, rather than on, um, Psalms are great for encouraging and uplifting and kind of meeting where we're at in different points of our life. Uh, so they, they fulfill a great purpose, but also, I, I think we can use Psalms to carry through kind of to today and say, well, what, what is God saying to me today about this? So I want us to look at it as a prophetic text about Jesus and about what Jesus did for us. So for the, the first three verses, you know, we can see Jesus in the New Testament. He fulfills this picture of a shepherd. He, he fulfills the role of, of our shepherd. Matthew nine thirty six. he says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like a sheep without a shepherd. John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. We think about those words of quiet waters and him being our shepherd. He, he fulfills that when he came. And then 
when he makes us lie down in green pastures. You know, the woman caught in adultery, Jesus says, well, you, you know, he, he kind of calls her out. He says, well, the man you're with isn't even your husband, right? And there, there's this element of correction and restoration that takes place. And I think the picture of John is, or excuse me, of Peter is a great example, where Peter, we know Peter, he denied Jesus three times. He left Jesus at his moment of, of lowest point. And in John 21, Jesus restores that. He restores Peter, and Peter becomes a foundation in our church today. But yeah, Peter had to have that, that moment of correction where at the end of the day, it, it became good and, and a guide for him. And that guide that we have, well, Jesus gives us the guide. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And so you might be thinking, okay, cool, I see that. Jesus was the shepherd. He fulfilled that. So what? So you know, I think it's, it's important to point out that David reflects on who God was for him. And then we see a common thread to where Jesus fulfilled that same thing. It's consistent. Because in our life, we fast forward today, he's that same shepherd. He is my shepherd. He is your shepherd that we have. Um, And that's that same shepherd when we think about the parable about the shepherd leaving the 99. He's the same shepherd who leaves the 99 to go find you, to go find one. Matthew 18, 14, Jesus says, it's not the will of the Father that even one of these little ones should perish. And then we see this picture of the shepherd, this common theme throughout. Jesus says in John 10 that we know his voice, right? I love that verse. We know his voice and that we follow him. Or John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Or verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. You see, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's the same God that that we serve. And this idea of a common thread, a common theme in Scripture, allows us to have a true, strong picture of who God is. Because I think it's really easy to allow our circumstances, it's easy to allow culture, our feelings to define God. And I think that's dangerous. I think that's the enemy. If we only allow those things to define God, we, we don't have that support. We don't have that strong foundation. But if we have the Word and we look at the Word as a consistent theme throughout, we can see that thread from beginning to end about who God is. He is our Good Shepherd. He is the Good Shepherd. And then all these things come from that. Um, so sometimes that shepherd is comforting. Sometimes he leads us to a peaceful place. Sometimes he even breaks our leg and helps us to stay near him. Because it's for our own good. Because if that lamb wandered off, what's it going to do? drink from a rushing river and fall in, be eaten by a wolf, just get lost. God, God's heart is that no one should perish. He wants us to be near him. And so I, I would ask you, where, where this resonates with me is, you know, what, what is my picture of God? Do I picture God as this angry person in heaven just waiting for me to mess up? And do I picture God as, you know, someone who just lets me do whatever I want and it doesn't matter and it's okay, I can just come back? Right? Is God legalistic? Is God, you know, all these different, different things? You know, we need to look at the Word and allow the Word to define that. We're saying He's a good, good Father. Right? Sometimes people have fathers who are not good. And so that, that's a hard thing to, to, to sing. But the Word gives us a foundation, a truth about who God is. And so what is our picture of God? Is it, is it accurate? Is it based in the Word? The second portion of Scripture, 
we see uh, Jesus really fulfill this in his death and the resurrection. When I read these last three verses, to me, it just stood out as Jesus walking through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death. Right? When Jesus does that, I mean, he, he is dying for us to give us eternal life. So Jesus' death and sacrifice means we have salvation. We have eternal life. Romans 6, 1 through 8, I won't read that, but it, it's a, Paul is, is saying, you know, because Jesus died and was raised to life, when we accept Jesus and when we die, we get to share in that, that resurrection as well, right? So in the same way that Jesus walked through that darkest valley for us, it's only a shadow because we have Jesus, <clears throat> we have Jesus right? We have Jesus because he walks through that with us. My boys recently, they, they love good guys and bad guys, and, you know, they, they just talk, they're three and five, and so they just talk about it a bunch, and they, they asked me, you know, what, does, does a good guy or a bad guy go to heaven? And I said, well, you know, only, you only go to heaven if you have Jesus in your heart. And you could probably guess what their next question was. Well, where do they go? So, like, uh, they, they go to hell. And you could probably guess the next question they asked me, which was, well, what's hell? Right? And so I'm like, oh, my goodness. What? You know, they're three and five. What do, I, do I really want to, to talk about that? Um, an eternal lake of, of fire or whatever, whatever you think of? No. So I, you know, I, I said hell, hell is being completely separate from God and God's love forever. And thankfully, they did not ask a follow-up question. The, the subject got changed because I, lo- I was done. I'm like, I've got nothing else. I don't know what else to, to tell you. But you know, hell is a real place. And when we read these verses, for those who have Christ, this is uplifting. This is hopeful. Because when we go and stand in front of our enemy, right, God is there protecting us. When we die and go to heaven and are judged, God is not looking at us and our good works He's looking at Jesus and Jesus' righteousness that's for us. But when we don't have Jesus, for me, this was a reminder just of the gravity of the situation that people who don't have Jesus face. But when you don't have Jesus, it's not a shadow of death. It's a real death. It's hell. And for me, this, this struck a chord. It struck a nerve. You know, I, I had been really callous to this. I, um, I was walking with my, my youngest, Michael, he's a baby, and um, we were on the beach, and I was walking and just rocking him to sleep as I walked, and uh, I, the, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and convicted me, because I, I had been just focused on myself, and in this season, it was really easy to do that, to focus on myself, to not think about anyone else, to think, think of just my family, and, and the Holy Spirit convicted me. There's a, there's a place for that, but I, I hadn't given any thought to hell. I had, not, I had not given any thought to the people in my life who don't, who don't know Christ. Jesus says in John 14, 2, in my Father's house are many rooms, and I go and prepare a place for you. Right? We know that it's, it's not the will of the Father that anyone should perish, but there are people who are perishing. There are people who are going to hell. And that, that to me wasn't, I, I hadn't even thought about that, and that was convicting for me. So the takeaways from this, from Psalms 23. Now, where I would challenge you to, to go this week and look at this psalm a little bit differently 
is to ask these questions. The first, where, where's our picture of God derived from? And does it align with the consistency of the Word? And that means you, you kind of have to get into the Word and know the Word, but it, there's, there's benefit to knowing God and knowing what the Word says about God because that common thread is there. The second question, are there people in our life who need Christ? Right? The answer is probably yes. And have we lost our urgency to help them? Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know, for me, this reading this with a different perspective, that it is great and it's awesome to know that it's just a shadow and that in the midst of what I walk through, God is there. But for those who don't have Christ, the reality is hell. And, I, you know, I, I need that callus ripped off of my heart. I need that ripped off of my heart. And, and I believe that some of us do too. And the last, the last thought, I had this just during, during um, worship. You know, for maybe you're listening and you're thinking, yeah, I, I don't have Jesus, right? You know, if you're here and you, and you don't have Jesus and you want that assurance as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, then come up and talk to us. If you're online, type into the chat that you want someone to reach out to, and we will. So... I encourage you this week to take, take a look at Psalms 23 and look at it in a different way. And just ask the Holy Spirit to, to speak to you on that. You know, for me, when, when I feel like God is, is saying something to me, there's two questions I ask. Okay, God, what, what are you saying? Right? I, I feel like a, a sense of, of something. God, what are you saying? And then what am I going to do about it? And, you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do about it yet. But I'll tell you, I haven't thought about my, my friend Bill, my friend Richard, who don't know Jesus in a long time in that way that's not okay. So God is, God is working on me in that. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you that your word is encouraging. It brings hope and it brings life. God, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. You are my shepherd. And for those moments that you make us lie down, God, would you help us to look to you and know that that correction will be our guide going forward. God, we thank you for the common thread that Scripture has of who you are. Would you help us to align our picture of you with the Word and and allow those other things to come on top, but allow our picture of you to be the Word of God. Would you build a sensitivity in us, an urgency in us for the lost? Because that is your heart. Your will is that not one of them will perish. You will leave the 99 to to get the one sheep. God, would you build that urgency in us and would you show us what what do we do? What do we do about that? And for those, if if they don't know you, would they take this time to to decide, yeah, I, I want that assurance. I want that hope that you promise. So God, we love you. I pray a blessing on, on our body today. Be with us as we walk. Let us walk in joy. Let us walk in abundance. Let us walk in life. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here. Have a great week, everyone.